welcome to Launch, the GCC podcast. I'm your host, Marty Duran, Director of Communications for the Great Commission Collective. We're a global network of churches partnering together to plant churches and strengthen leaders. My guest today on Launch is Garrett Higby, who's back for the second or third time uh, since we've been doing this podcast, and it's always a blessing to have him around. Uh, we're going to be talking about the, uh, the things that pastors are going through right now and how Scripture helps in overcoming those things. So the challenges that pastors are facing as they are still dealing with pandemic times, coming out of pandemic times, and in some cases, in some parts of the world, still really deep into uh, this tragic situation. And so it has affected pastors, and in many ways will continue to affect pastors. So what are some of the tools that God has given pastors to deal with uh, their lives and to take care of themselves during this time? Garrett Higby, welcome back to Launch, dude. It is good to have you again. Thanks, Mario. Good to be here. So um, <clears throat> we're going to be in your in your specialty, which is uh, helping pastors think about their own lives. Uh, I, I should say your specialty, one of your specialties for sure. Um, and it's you know we're at the moment we're talking, we're kind of coming out of the pandemic. Uh, most places are reopening to some degree in the States anyway. I know Canada's got some different things going on and other places around the world aren't even coming out of the pandemic yet. Um, and now there's the talk of potential variants that could cause other issues and we don't know what that's going to look like. So pastors for the last year and a you know, year and a half now almost are just like bouncing around with lots of different things professionally, ministerially, personally, and their families. Um, you have a uh, you have a way of putting this that pastors need to be taking their own medicine, which is uh, which is true. But then you add there's probably some unique burdens and obstacles um, that they need to consider in their walk with Christ and what it means for them to grow. What, what do you mean by some of that? Yeah, well, I <clears throat> I think probably the best scripture to uh, ground this point is First Timothy four sixteen, where it talks about keeping a close watch on yourself and your teaching, which obviously is pointed to spiritual leaders, pastors, ministry leaders. And I think that they have some unique occupational hazards. Okay. One of them being they study a lot, but they seem to study more for the sanctification of their people than their own soul. And so that's a, while it's commendable to be prepared for your sermon each week, if you're not being moved in your time, or if you potentially get too familiar with the word of God as a tool to preach versus a, you know, scalpel that, you know, sort of does heart surgery, you, you can really end up thinking that you're proximate and familiar and that somehow equates to intimacy and abiding when it really doesn't. So there's this strange feeling you're close, but you don't feel fed. You don't feel nurtured. You don't feel connected. Like John 15 says to the mind in a way that um, you're abiding and you're, so your soul is kind of hungry and then you're always pouring out the truth to other people. So that, I think that that's what, when I think of first Timothy four sixteen, I think, 
keep a close watch on yourself. Self-care isn't selfishness, it's good stewardship. Mm. And so if we could change that paradigm for some pastors and leaders, I think they would realize, oh, I've got to do a better job of taking care of my own soul. Yeah. So um, what's a way that pastors can kind of over pastors and leaders can overcome uh, challenges like that? Because they're common challenges. It's, it's not like that there's one person, only one person that, that faces these things. So what right. are some ways that guys can overcome these things? Well, first of all, you know, I, I think of some of the stuff that Paul Tripp has written, Dangerous Calling, and now his newer book, Lead, and how he's describing in detail the heightened temptations and trials of a pastor and a pastor family. Mm. Um, maybe, maybe they're unique in some ways. Honestly, you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, all temptations that have seized you are common to man. So I believe they're common at the root level, but I think they're unique situationally because um, the, these guys are feeling the spiritual battle, their wives, their family in a unique way. And they're, uh, they're supposed to be available. At least our culture seems to think 24 um, seven. So they're, they're, they're constantly um, uh, uh, having something pull on them. They never really know how to rest. That's one of the big issues. I think some, some unique or maybe heightened temptations are the fear of man have trouble saying no would be an example of that identity in their position um, and and status more than in Christ is that's a dangerous thing uh, poor boundaries so that work starts coming home you don't really feel like you're ever off the guy's on his phone his wife's trying to talk to him you know you know the drill Marty um, conflict and loss I mean sometimes I I, I uh, Tongue in cheek, say crazy sheep are part of the problem, um, but uh, but it could be just wandering or stubborn sheep. Who the loss is huge to these families mm -hmm. when somebody else in their church leaves or creates conflict that maybe isn't handled maturely. And then finally, they neglect their own healthy rhythms, which I alluded to before. But you asked about overcoming those, so I think the first thing is recognize them okay recognize that you have some heightened temptations you're in a spiritual battle go humble and go to god i think of matthew 11 28 through 30 come to me you were weary and heavy laden i think that's probably on just about every guy's heart right now after the pandemic they're exhausted they're pressing into ministry trying to recover their whole uh congregation so to speak but then are they going to god um, are they being, are they resting? Are they getting soul rest? Um, another would be, um, you're a sheep before you're a shepherd. You're a person before you're a pastor. So just go to Jesus as a person, identify and connect to Jesus as a follower, um, first. And then, um, prayer, I would say, you know, we're, we're big on prayer in the GCC, I think. The idea of increasingly getting more disciplines of prayer, both privately and with your spouse and family, is huge. Uh, rhythms, other rhythms could be um, just date nights with your wife, um, play times with your kids. Don't neglect those. And then finally, I think every pastor or ministry leader should have a coach. 
should have, or a mentor or a confidant who they process through hard things with and they um, think about how to grow, not just as a leader, but as a Christ follower. Your, uh, your reference to taking our burdens to Christ is really helpful, I think, because uh, our tendency, and I know my tendency when I was in full-time pastorate was to, when the burdens got heavier, just to, you know, cinch up your belt a little bit and uh, work out a little more so that you can carry the larger load rather than taking that burden to Jesus to begin with. Uh, and I, that is yeah. a real issue. And I think, I, I don't know that it's, uh, I don't know that it's overtly pride in the sense that we think we can do it, not God. I think it's a default mechanism for a lot of guys that they just think it's their responsibility as the pastor to carry the bigger load. So that's, that's a good word, I think. And then Marty, you might be familiar with this book, Gentle and Lowly. That's I've heard been out. It's, it is a uh, really good read for a pastor because it just, I think we sometimes forget just the access and the beauty of sitting in God's lap. And um, if, if people could get the heart of, Christ out of that book more deeply and understand what he's calling us to, they wouldn't neglect that opportunity to abide. Uh, I'll go ahead and put a plug here. Uh, Dave and I uh, interviewed Dane Ortland about that book uh, recently, and that episode will probably drop before this one. So if you're listening to this episode with Garrett, go back an episode or two and you can hear our oh, cool. discussion with Dane. Um, so you've, you've kind of, uh, led into the, uh, talk about marriage and what that means and not what it means, but what it means in this context and trying to minister and keep your marriage, uh, focus in a time when there's so many other things, uh, pulling. So, um, what are some ways maybe that pastors can involve their spouses in their lives without necessarily, um, either getting lost in ministry demands themselves or the only way their spouse can be involved is by taking on some kind of ministry thing yeah. alongside their pastor. Talk about that some. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so I think, you know, I think of uh, Ephesians five and how we're supposed to reflect Christ and the church in this idea of how a husband, how does the husband love his wife? One way is that he partners with her, right? And in another way is to think of, I'm going to put my marriage um, relationship right underneath my relationship with Christ. So it's going to be, I'm, I'm going to prioritize. So then I'm inviting my wife into a intimacy emotionally and relationally, not just physically, but emotionally and relationally, and even spiritually, that is unique to any other relationship on earth. Mm -hmm. So how do I do that without like having my wife be the ministry director for women or, or whatever, that, you know, you know, the, the, the church starts saying she should do, I think you actually protect her from, um, ministries that she maybe the season of life or her giftedness don't really aren't inclined to, and more you draw her into prayer with mm -hmm. you about the church. I think prayer takes care of spiritual, emotional, and relational intimacy in one act. Mm -hmm. And so, um, what I have done with Tammy is we, we go on prayer walks. I've talked about those multiple times, but I won't stop talking about them because it's probably one of the smartest things I ever accidentally did, yeah. you know? Um, and I, and I mean, accidentally in that I did it out of desperation and that it stuck. 
And then we started saying, why didn't we do this a long time ago? Yeah, yeah. And so she feels like, okay, I know Garrett, what Garrett's doing. I know what his burdens are. I know where he's struggling, but I'm also a little bit aware of some of the people he's interacting with and how to pray for them if it's appropriate. Um, you know, you have to be discreet, but I think you can involve your wife. And I have even, even asked people, can I pray with Tammy about this? That is huge. That is probably the single best way that I invite her into partnership in the ministry. I'd say the other thing is that she and I are pretty good at just having people over um, and just hanging out with them and getting to know them as people and not really talking shop mm -hmm. so much, but talking about our walks and just our lives and our kids and uh, that kind of thing. So I think, I think you just have to pry first, you know, as I said, partnerships a word. Um, I think that comes out of Ephesians five. I think priority, um, a picture of the gospel being reflected in my marriage. Um, and Tammy knowing that she is a, um, uh, absolute priority. And so are the kids to me to the point where if I have to make a hard call to spend more time at home or to be more present at home, put my phone away, hold off on a couple of appointments, I'll do it. Mm. Um, so I just think it's really important to uh, be aware of those things. You said on other occasions, um, or talked about, I should say on other occasions about pastors normally don't have a lot of close friends in their own church. Um, I understand that experience. Um, probably everyone listening who's a pastor is nodding along and wondering, yeah, maybe Garrett's fixing to give me the, the, the golden key to this situation. Um, but because of that dynamic that usually exists, um, does that affect the ability for the pastor to have a, a leadership role in his plurality? Uh, how does it affect his friendships on the plurality? Do, uh, is there a danger of like putting up a wall to avoid being hurt by someone that can affect their leadership? Uh, dive into that a little bit. Yeah, I think that is a huge issue. I think that um, it's another occupational hazard because you, you get close to people and if they turn on you, it could mean your job. It could mean your reputation. Um, it could mean your emotional health to some level because this is everything's wrapped up in you being above reproach and, you know, and qualified for ministry, which you should be. But unfortunately, and, and some people based on maybe some legalism or immaturity, they they mistake some, you know, maybe disability or some kind of hard thing in your life that you're wrestling through as disqualifying when it's really just debilitating mm. and they need to come alongside and help you through it, not judge you for it. And so I think a lot of guys are afraid they're going to be judged, especially inside the church. You know, you look at Proverbs all over the place about friendship, but 1717, a friend loves at all times. There's a brother born for adversity, 1824, you know, so, you know, a confidant closer than a brother, not a bunch of uh, fair weather friends, you know, so that's what a guy is really yearning for. And a pastor's wife, honestly, that has the same challenges and research research has suggested that the average pastor and even pastor's wives cannot identify by one close friend, confidant is what I'm talking about yeah, yeah. in the church. 
So they might have somebody outside the church. They might have somebody in another state, but they typically don't feel comfortable getting that close inside the church. And I think that points to a pretty significant problem. Uh, I, there's a book I speak of a lot called Resilient Ministries, and they make the distinction between an ally and a confidant. And I think you need to know the difference I mean, and you need to have a, a lot of allies and just a few confidants, but you could potentially, and I think Dave's book, uh, The Plurality Principle points it out, you could create, it's not gonna happen by accident, but intentionally create a culture of care and accountability in your plurality that you actually get close to one of your elders or a couple of your elders in a way that you have that confidant and they know that they have to nurture you. They, they, the only reason they would ever talk disqualification is if you were in an unrepentant, immoral sin or some disqualifying sin that, that was unavoidable to, to, to make that call. Otherwise, they were, everything's game for helping you, growing you, working through things with you and vice versa with them as well. So I think that's a big deal. I, a, a trusted friend in the church would bring such sustainability to pastors and leaders, but we have to learn how to do that as pluralities. I want to ask you a more personal question now, um, not about your hairstyle, but um, I want to ask you about your, your walk with God. You've been in ministry for about 30 years uh, or so. Uh, I've only known you for about a year and a half, not even quite that. Um, but I've always been encouraged by being around you. And if there's one thing that is really obvious for anybody who spends any amount of time with you is that you really do love Jesus. It's not just a job. It's not just something you're doing. Uh, you really have a heart for Christ. Um, what has, how has that been nurtured in your life since you've become a believer? Yeah, I wish I could point to like, I'm just a guy that's super spiritual and disciplined. Um, Honestly, Amen. that's what I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think what it is, is that I've been in the deep end of brokenness for 30 years in people's lives. And mm. it's made me desperate. Like it's made me mourn. It's made me lament. It's made me feel my own brokenness. It's made me feel my weakness and lack of ability to give them any kind of wisdom from my own experience, even though I have a doctorate. It's really made me realize that real hope, lasting change comes only through the Holy Spirit and, and the Word of God, which humbles me over and over, honestly, Marty. It makes me desperate, exposes my own hypocrisy, my own flesh, my own, like, you don't know how many times, Marty, I've been in a counseling set, marriage counseling session. I'm like, ooh, I think that was for me. Oh, <laughs> I need to go repent with Tammy. I, oh my goodness. That is really embarrassing. Like I, that guy's got that struggle, but I'm no better. Mm. Um, and, and it's just made me want to abide. It's, it's made me want to live what I started this whole thing with that sort of watch my soul go to Christ often and, and deeply. Um, I think it's second Corinthians four, seven, through 12, the jar, treasures and jars of clay, right? Mm -hmm. His glory through my weakness. And so I'm afflicted every day, not crushed, perplexed often, but not driven to despair, persecuted sometimes, but not forsaken, struck down. Sometimes I really feel that way, right? I'm having kind of that season right now, but I'm not destroyed. And I love, and I want pastors to realize and know that 
God understands your struggles. He's not trying to say, hey, get over it. It's not that bad. He's saying, hey, it's pretty hard, but I'll keep you from the worst of the consequences and I'll walk through it with you. And I'm actually going to shine through your brokenness, your cracks, the cracked pot that I am. The best, one of the best things about me is showing people all my weakness and letting Christ get the glory. So I think, yeah, I think that that, Andrew Murray has a book on humility that really moved me when a young, younger in my walk. And I, and I've really um, uh, grown a lot to appreciate just how broken and weak I am. And I think that's allowed me to stay really close to Christ. I actually feel like sometimes he's walking beside me, but lately I feel like he's carrying me. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you, um, why don't you pray, uh, offer a short prayer for the guys that are listening? Um, I mean, I know there'll be a lot of GCC guys listening. There's could be some, and should be some guys outside GCC. that are listening as well. Pastors and staffers and elders is, uh, the whole lot. Um, so why don't you pray, uh, a quick prayer and just ask God to, uh, to move and, and help them in these areas where we've talked about this today. Sure. Thanks, Mary. I'd love to Lord. Um, May, may we as men and even leading our wives, not to just dive into the word so we can go teach it or preach it, but actually to connect to you, to, to get closer to you. Can we, Lord, um, can we just ask you, Lord, right now, just to move in our hearts to, to, to reconnect us through your word and not to make it just a study or a preparation uh, act, but a deep intimacy towards you. Lord, would we recognize that we're in a spiritual battle, not against the flesh? Maybe there's somebody giving us a hard time, but just Lord, just it's a battle that is spiritual. And may we go to prayer and go to prayer and grab the hand of our spouse um, and, and just walk and pray or sit and pray, but Lord, pray. And then Lord, may we be more sensitive to healthy rhythms um, whether they be um, a date night or or a family time or um, some you know just being close to our spouse, whatever it might be, communicating more deeply. Lord, finally, we just ask that um, we would have a confidant. Even even maybe we'd have, we'd take the risk of developing confidants within our own plurality over time. I know that may take some work, Lord, but. Um, we want to be able to do that because that, that is truly, I think, your heart, uh, that we would, we would uh, dwell together in unity and, um, and we would grow to have each other's backs in ministry and not look past weaknesses, but support each other through those. And then finally, we would glorify you in those weaknesses, always depending on you, always coming to you first and most always leaning on your spirit for wisdom and always looking to your word for um, how to go and what next decisions might be. Thanks so much for each pastor, ministry leader, um, ministry leader's wife, uh, just anybody listening that just needed to hear this today. I pray that it would just be an encouragement to them and it would uh, uh, guide them in this next season of ministry. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks, Garrett. Always good to have you, man. Really appreciate your heart and your counsel and um, hope you have a great afternoon. You too, Marty. Take care.
Thank you for listening to Launch, the GCC podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, why not take a moment to do that in your favorite podcast app? Also, rate and review the podcast when you get a moment. That helps us with search results. And recommend us to your friends, maybe other pastors that you know, who will benefit from the content from this podcast. Also, don't forget to check out our website if you haven't done that already. It's gccollective.org. That's gccollective.org. And there's a lot of helpful information. There's articles. There's how you can join the GCC, whether a church planter or an existing church, and plenty of other content that will help you grow spiritually and encourage you in your leadership journey.